right. Yes, I'm twittering it as well. <laughs> All right. After that, maybe we'll have a podcast. Judgecast. This is episode number 91. My name is CJ Schrader, and with me as always, uh, I forgot to come up with a word to ex- describe my co-hosts. My two electronic co-hosts, we have just tongues. <laughs> I only make myself laugh with these intros, but I appreciate that very much. Also, we have Brian Prilliman. It's electric! Boogie, woogie, woogie, woogie. That's a fine song. Also, let, it is. Electric it's, uh, Avenue. Is that an old guy joke? Is that a what joke? An old guy joke. Yes, it is an old guy joke. <laughs> or, or, middle school prom. Your choice. <laughs> For you. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> just, just, I got nothing. Just go away. Oh, is that a direct instruction? What? Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm making a general announcement to both of you guys. All right, so we have a new infraction procedure guide, and normally when these come out, at least for the past, let's say, six months to nine months, we've just shrugged and said, eh, not much changed. But this time enough actually changed where we're going to actually talk about it for a little bit. Dun, dun, dun. Is everyone excited? I'm excited. Right, right. And we're not even going to start with the infraction procedures. We're going to start with the tournament rules. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. However, if you want to see any of these handy-dandy documents and the URLs are really, really complicated and you can't find it on the wizard site, we have a handy-dandy link set up for you that'll take you right to where you need to go. What's that link, guys? It's judgecast.com slash docs. That's D-O-C-S, all lowercase. Judgecast.com slash docs will take you to all of the most updated versions of all of the tournament policy documents for Magic the Gathering. And actually, it'll take you there for all the other Watsi games, too. So if you're really interested in that Kaijudo uh, IPG, you can check that out there, too. Actually, it Is only there... takes you to the Magic ones. Is oh, there... does it? Oh, we changed that? Yeah. My bad. Is there a you Kaijudo still get there IPG? From there. Doubtful. Is there? I wanna go... I'm going right now. Is there what? A KIPG? Yeah, it exists. Uh, KIPG. <laughs> You know, I, I had a one of my local judges, he was complaining the other day because he was like, I accidentally got roped into judging a Kaijudo event. And I was like, how's that? Well, uh, Tio asked me if I wanted to judge an event, and I said, sure. And ah. when I showed up, it was Kaijudo. That's funny. <laughs> He's so like, one I... of the problems with that is that Tio's got an email a while back that said that, uh, that it was recommended that they get a magic judge to help with their kaijudo events and it didn't really specify that all, not all magic judges are familiar with kaijudo right right or most are and on the other hand kaijudo pretty much compared to magic kaijudo pretty much takes care of itself like judging a kaijudo event is not actually that hard if you have a passing familiarity with the game i, I don't um I... if 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 you were here in person i could teach you how to play kaijudo in 10 minutes nice and then you'd be able to judge an event it's pretty much that easy well well oh today i learned <laughs> One other thing on this website, because I see this question come up a lot, is you can find at judgecast.com slash docs, um, which is just a redirect. We're not You're not going to like our website or anything. You're, it's no, redirecting to the wizard site. It's our version of the term. <laughs> um, you can find the checklist for, for sealed deck procedures, because people are always like, where are the checklists? And they're on the same side as the IPG. I'm not sure how you know where one is and not the other, but here you go, judgecast.com slash docs. So anyway, there is a change to the electronic device policy. Uh, but not for Kaijudo. Not for Kaijudo, as far as we know. And uh, basically, the new policy, it's pretty tough to figure out. It's uh, you can't use them, period. What? I've gotten a whole <laughs> lot of questions about this. Yes, I know. Surprisingly. A lot it of questions. So many questions. So To the absurd. You know, so it used to be you could use it as a live counter. You could use it to look up Oracle text. Um, you know, electronic devices, meaning phones, iPads, whatever. Uh, you cannot anymore. Nope. And that's it. Like, that's that's the policy. It's not... You cannot well, oh, act competitive. At yeah, at sorry. competitive and professional. It's not a competitive and professional REL. So that's GPTs, PTQs, Grand Prix, Pro Tours, and any other event that, as a general guideline, this won't be 100% true, but as a general guideline, if your event requires you to fill out a deck list, you probably can't use an electronic device. Right. Yeah, seems fair. Yep. Uh, so why did they do this? This this is, you know, this this seems kind of odd. Why this reversal? The number one question I've gotten about this is why would they do this if there is an official Magic Life Counter app? 
That's actually not an unreasonable question. It, yeah, but that that's been abandoned too. That yeah. So I don't know yeah. if that really counts. Like it's Wizards it's does not so, support that. So you can do it on your table at home. So you can do it at your at pre-release. Home. Yeah, there you go. Legitimately, F&Ms I only use a, a live counter on my phone for casual games. I because I don't know what kind of super batteries you guys have, but my phone's not making it to a PTQ. <laughs> Um, well, not when you're cheating and doing outside assistance texts all day. Sure. <laughs> so the the truth of the matter is, and I don't think anyone can disagree with this statement, really, is electronic devices present a huge opportunity for abuse. There are a lot of things that could go wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And an attempt was made, as I understand it, to put a policy in place that covered all of this and tried to say exactly what you can and can't do. With, with electronic devices. Uh, but the problem with making a policy like that is technology is changing so fast that as soon as you print that policy, it's out of date and doesn't really apply anymore. And you know, there are new issues to deal with every time. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just unreasonable to have a bunch of players checking each other's phones to see if they're in airplane mode or, or anything else. Yeah. And uh, you start getting into more problems with like, as more technologies become wearable. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it starts becoming even even harder to to view, you know, the contents of someone that's like, oh, I want to. What about Google Glass? Yes, that's that's <sighs> the one that's been coming up a lot. Yeah. People people want to. Oh, well, you say electronics, you know, devices are allowed. Yes, but they have to be visible. It's like, oh, and and so think things are just the the technologies are pushing the boundaries. They're becoming harder to police. So rather than try to come up with a hodgepodge policy that is, as just said, going to be out of date, you know, very soon after it gets printed, the easiest thing to do is just say no electronic devices. Now, when you say no electronic devices, there is some common sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Pacemakers. Really? Is that is that is that really something that people are suggesting? There are. There are definitely a few electronic devices that are, we're going to let people use because they have nothing to do with the event, like a pacemaker or a, or digital a hearing aid or any, pretty much anything related to a disability, <laughs> we're going to let you use. Um, let's see. Other than that, some questions have been brought up about like, well, what if I have video camera equipment that I, I like to record my matches? Well, as long as that is totally passive, like it doesn't receive information and that, that like receive signals then if you run that by the head judge that's and probably your opponent, okay. and your opponent's cool with it uh, yeah and your opponent's okay with it then that's probably okay and it, but, and it sits over there <laughs> and you're not checking it constantly then um another thing is that this doesn't necessarily apply to uh you know coverage stuff you can't go well no i can't sit at that coverage match because there's a camera there and that's an electronic device so that's <laughs> Once again, yeah, we're using electronic devices just to be brief, but, you know, it's basically anything that can give you information uh, you can't right. use, give you, that could be used to cheat. So, can you use a digital watch? Yes. Can you use one of the newer smartwatches? No. And also, you wasted a lot of money when you bought that, because yeah. nobody yeah. wants those things. Yeah. And that also means uh, listening to music. Yeah, that's the big question I see a lot, and it's, um, and it's no, you cannot. Yeah, there was there was a, a tweet on Magic Judges. It was like 10 a.m. and it was on Friday, and it was like, "Hey, there's someone on camera at the Bazaar of Moxon event who's got a who's got headphones in his ears." It's like it's it started already. Oh no! So, so you're a judge. You're walking by a table. You see they have a phone out on the table. Um, say they are looking up Oracle text. What do you do? Kick them out. They're done. <laughs> you're out you knew this was wrong savage cheats no this this falls into the category of of violations of tournament rules for which there is no specific infraction so tell them to put it away tell them not to pull it out again and go about your business there is no warning or anything that's correct it's you're not going to get an infraction for it now just to be clear about one thing we didn't mention in case people are curious this isn't Anytime you're in the tournament hall, this is just when you're seated for your match. Yep. Yeah. When you and, sit down, put it in your pocket. Put your phone in your pocket. Leave it there. Yeah. Leave your pacemaker in your chest. If if you need to take an emergency call, that can happen. We understand that. If you expect you might need to take an emergency call, for example, if, let's say you're a paramedic or or you're on call for your job for whatever reason um, or anything like that, just let your opponent know, hey, I, I might get a phone call that I'm going to have to take. And, and if you feel more comfortable with it, let the judges know, hey, I might get a phone call. I'm going to have to take. Is that OK? 
they're going to go, yeah, that's fine. Just let your opponent know. Um, so we're not trying to be unreasonable and, and keep people from, from functioning as human beings here. We're just trying to prevent a people from... A subset of you, the players, ruined it for the superset of you, <laughs> the players. Personally, my biggest problem with this is just going to be that what, what I like to do is I go to events, and if I go to like a grinder at a Grand Prix... They they announce oh start the round and sometimes there's no clock anywhere and there's no statement of when the round ends and I have no way to keep track of the time without an electronic device yeah so that's that's really my only complaint about it yeah otherwise use a pen and paper it's better anyway it is but what if you need to keep track of storm counts oh please what? use a I'm pen kidding. and paper it's I'm... better anyways I'm making a I'm making a joke I know at I know but <laughs> it's true it's like. A lot of people say that, you know, well, I, I've, I've got this really cool app that I want to use for XYZ thing. It's like, great, use the kitchen table, use it at FNM, your pre-release. But when it comes to a competitive setting, you know, think about it like this. If I go take a test, like a serious college exam or something, they're not going to let me check my phone in the middle of it. Right. You know, and, and the other big loss, I guess, is like uh, legacy events where people can't look up Oracle text anymore. But most judges have smartphones. You call a judge, we'll look it up. Yeah, and you will have it in less than 30 seconds. Yeah. So unless the card's written in Japanese and no one can remember what the card's name is. Huh. Zach. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, so let's actually let's jump around a little bit here, but I think this is a good segue. So say, uh, you know, you told him you walk by, you said, hey, get that phone off the table. And then you walk by again later and you see the phones out again. What do you do? Hmm. Can I kick him out now? So, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, so, so you gave him a direct instruction to put the phone away, and he didn't do it. Yes, or maybe he did huh. it, and he, and he took it back out later. He took it back out again, huh? Well, let me see here. Uh, I think there, there, there's a section in the uh, in for USC major, like one of the lists or one of the one of the items on the list is a failure to follow a direct instruction from a tournament official. So that's so that's USC major. That's a game loss. And that was true two weeks ago. Yes, that was true. That is no longer the case, sir. Nope. Yep. Nope. So that line. It's, it's been moved to. USC minor. Yes. So, USC minor as an example. Yep. So it is now a warning. So that first time, you know, so first time you tell them to do something. Okay, go. Uh, second time, say they, they're still failing to do it. You give them a warning now. Uh, and third time, since that has an upgrade path, it would be a game loss. So now so, it is USC minor. So the reason the reason why this changed is is because uh, the whole the whole reason it was in there as a as a game loss as USC major was to give I'll say uh, teeth to when a judge tells you to do something. Okay, like I need you to leave this area right now because you know, and you don't even have to give a reason. It's just I need this to happen right now, and if they don't, then boom, game loss. You have you have it has teeth. However, it's kind of evolved over time to be more of the judge tells you to do the judge tells you to do X, and if you don't do it, boom, game loss. But they're telling you to do kind of minor things like like uh, someone shuffles in their lap. That's a tournament rule. And you say, hey, don't shuffle in your lap. And then you catch them a little bit later shuffling in their lap. Game loss. Blam. No. What's what's happened is, is that's probably a little bit more draconian than we want to be. So we've moved it out of USC major into USC minor, where it's just a warning. Uh, however, USC minor does have an upgrade path. Okay. So the second time, the second time you get USC minor for any reason, not necessarily, uh, uh, Failing, not following the judge's instruction, but you know, excessive profanity, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, taunting your opponent, leaving trash out. Those are all examples. Leaving excessive trash. Those, any one of those things, the second instance of it gets upgraded to a game loss. Okay, so if you want to think of it as, um, and a lot of judges actually did this with uh, with instructions too. You ask, then you tell, and then. Uh, 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 then that's when the you get the game loss. Okay, that was the way it kind of used to be for for some judges. You know, hey, I need you not to do that. Could you please not do that? That was kind of the asking. And then you tell them, hey, don't do this. And then on the on the third instance, that's when you would give them USC uh, major the old way. 
Now it's, you know, you ask them, uh, you ask them, or you tell them, you tell them not to do it. You know, that's kind of like the, you know, air quotes, the caution, or just ask them. Then you catch them doing it again. You tell them not to do it. They get a warning uh, for USC minor. And then the third time it happens, that's when they get the game loss for the upgrade to USC minor. Yeah. Yeah. You said a lot more about that than I expected. Hey, I had to write. (laughs) (laughs) I had to update some stuff. So, yeah. All right, our next change. Well, not even a change, actually. So improperly determining a winner um, is a is a uh, USC infraction now. It's a disqualification. Uh, generally, it's when players say roll a die to, to determine who's going to win a match. Um, basically, using any outside the game means to determine the outcome of a match is illegal and will get you disqualified. Uh, a clarification was made that if you both say you've uh, come to the end of, of five turns and uh, no, it's not clear who's going to win. Neither one of you wants to draw. And a player says, oh, well, let's uh, let's look at the next few cards and see how the game would have flowed from here to determine who wins. No, that is still improperly determining a winner. Those cards on the top of your library are outside the game. The game is not over yet because you well, guys have not. They're, they're inside the game, but the information as to what those cards are is not information that you're privy to inside the game. Sure, yeah, because the, yeah. the game is not ended yet because if it had ended, it would be a draw. You guys are still determining how right. it's going to end. You you can still you can still however do something like I've got eight cards in my library he's got ten cards in his library you should scoop to me or or I you know the person with ten cards says you should scoop to me because I would have won that's air quotes inside the game like the number of cards in your library that's not really random but like oh if I drew if I drew a planes I would have won how about if I flip over the top card of my library and it's a planes you scoop to me else I'll scoop to you uh no yeah. Right. Yeah. Other examples of this are things like, um, well, you know, we're both playing mono red and we're both at three and have an empty board. Let's just flip over cards and see who gets to a lightning bolt first. Yeah, that's not okay. And it might seem like that's attached to the game because, well, that would have happened, but it's not. There is no more game. And, you know, if I were to do that while the game is still going, I'd I'd get an infraction. And if I were doing that because I was trying to convince my opponent to concede to me, I might get disqualified. So, yeah, this is not an okay thing to do. And it's a thing that that was unclear previously. And now we have an example saying, hey, by the way, you can't do this. Right. It's basic basically because the infraction said no outside the game uh, uh, methods. And this if you kind of squint, it could fall in either, you know, it could it could appear on either side of that. So they added a, an example to clarify which which side of the line it falls on. And it falls on the no side. <laughs> so, again, what are your responsibilities if someone makes this offer to you? you? As a player, your responsibility is to call a judge right away or else you also uh, are guilty of the infraction as well, which is a DQ. Yep. Our next change, I think, is the biggest change, although it's not really, well, it's the biggest in its ramifications, but the actual text amount changed isn't that much. I know people care about those things. Uh, it's a change to deck deckless problem, and basically it's a change to when we can decide to downgrade deck deckless problem. So I'll just read the uh, the change line from the IPG. The head judge may downgrade, downgrade, man. Whoa. <laughs> All right, start over. Not cutting it out, though. Start over. The head judge may downgrade the penalty for an ambiguous name or obvious clerical error if they believe... <laughs> you, paused, you paused right before ambiguous to make sure you got it right, didn't And you? ambiguous. It's hard to say. <clears throat> One more time, because people got to understand this. The head judge may downgrade the penalty for an ambiguous name or obvious clerical error if they believe that the error could not be used to gain an advantage in the tournament. So, let's say in the past somebody had just written scavenging on their deck list i'm taking this straight from toby's article by the way toby has written two great articles about the this uh topic and uh, they will be linked in the show notes toby elliott level five judge policy master former judge guest guest but say someone just wrote scavenging well there's um in standard right now there is or legacy there is a scavenging ooze and i'm sure there's something else there's a scavenging ghoul a scavenging ooze and a scavenging scarab yes the thing is, nobody plays Scavenging Ghoul, except I did back in the day. But beyond that, nobody plays these cards. Uh, so particularly, the other two are black, and Scavenging Ooze is green. Well, that's a little bit of a tangent. But um, the truth is, the judges now can take, you know, what do I think he was trying to write here? 
probably scavenging ooze. I don't think he, you know, if I, as the judge, don't think he can gain an advantage from this mistake, right. it's fine. So, so writing, writing now instead of uh, uh, Mox Ruby, you know, if you write Red Mox, and you are playing in a format that allows Moxes, that's that's important. <laughs> Moxen, Moxes, Mox, Moxen. I, I don't yes. actually know. It's Moxen. Moxen, I think, is the plural because it's bizarre of Moxen, right? Yeah, it's Moxen. 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 It's just the plural of a made-up word, yeah. right? Um, so so you can you can do that now. You can you can say, you know, blue black scryland if you can't remember its name. Uh, which is weird since you have your deck with you right now at that moment. Yeah. So so here's here's the thing. So judge, judges we ha- uh, head judge has the ability to downgrade. Uh, for players, uh, this is not an excuse to be lazy, all right? There's nothing saying that the head judge has to downgrade. Um, and if you argue, then that's probably going to make him even less likely to, to downgrade. You know, come on, you know what I was going to put? No, the head judge has already thought about it, and he's already made the decision before he even, mm-hmm. he even walks over there. But um, it's still best to just take a few extra seconds and write your deck list down. Uh, some other examples from, from another example from Toby's article is BOP for Birds of Paradise, or I think, was it Bob was in there? Was Bob one of the examples? It is now. Yeah, okay. So instead of instead of Dark Confidant. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, if you write uh, Pack Rat times four, four times Pack Rat, and then later on down the list, you write four times Pack Rat on your list, and your list counts to 64 cards. Okay, obviously we're going to check your deck. Yeah. Okay, but if it shows up that it's a 60-card deck with four times Pack Rat, and you just basically wrote four times pack up at the top of the list and four times at the bottom of the list, the head judge has the ability to uh, to downgrade that to a warning as well. Um, yeah, and that's one of my favorite parts of this change is that specifically. Because we're not trying to punish for obvious clerical errors. But before, what we would do is if you wrote 4x pack rat and then later down wrote 4x pack rat, well, that's eight pack rats. And that's, you know, deck deckless problem immediately. That's a game loss. Uh, now we can take, if it seems like an yep. obvious clerical error. Yep. Now, what, the, what that doesn't mean, though, is uh, if someone writes down Jace and you go, oh, well, I know that in this deck it runs Jace Memory Adept. Yeah, no, no, not at all. That that's that is that's not uh, that's that's too ambiguous. Okay, and is this going to is this going to create some inconsistencies between various head judges? Like what's obvious to one head judge might not be you know obvious to another. Uh, different. I mean, we are people, and we have different thresholds yes. for that. Uh, so again, uh, if you are a player, be specific. Don't don't be don't. I mean, if you're actually thinking when you're filling this out, it's like ah, they'll know what I mean. You are taking a and write something short. You're taking a risk. You know, it might be a small risk, but is it really worth the extra you know half a second you're saving by not writing the whole card name out? Yeah. No. And um and judges, I don't think judges should lean on this as an excuse not to give a game loss. I think sometimes judges feel real bad about giving the game loss, but I mean. The game loss is there because there's such potential for advantage. If if a deck deck list can be changed later on, you know, like if they just write Jace, it, it could be swapped. You could just swap out what Jaces you're using after you uh, play the field a little bit. So it's it's there for a reason. It's you know it's not really the judge's fault here that the game loss is going out. Uh, so yeah, I don't try to use an excuse. Toby's article mentions it's- like if you have to like really think about what they were trying to put here then it's probably not worth yeah. it. Yeah. Like if there's a discussion, if you if you're like showing to somebody and you're like, "Well, what do you think about this?" I think he probably meant this. It's like, "Well, eh. well, no, that's game loss. You you've thought about it too long." Yep. But that's the main thing. You you might get game lost at one tournament and then warning at another tournament for the same thing. Although I would hope you would learn as a magic player. There's really no reason not to just write the entire card name. You say that, but every constructed PTQ, I know every single one of them all right uh is that one more well two more kind of uh failure to follow official announcements was removed ah yes yep the entire section was removed and and i i'm sure some of you out there are like well wait didn't you just say it was it was in usc minor no (laughs) those are two different things failure to follow official announcements when it existed was 
I tell everyone in the room to do something, and then someone specifically doesn't do it. The USC minor thing was I tell you to do something, and you don't do it. They've always been two different infractions. Uh, failure to follow direct instruction was never a actual infraction. Uh, it's always been a part of USC. We'll just say USC. Yeah. the the difference The difference that I always used to describe in in the two is, you know, someone's hurt laying on the ground. I just yell out to the room, "Somebody call nine one one." Okay. Versus, I look at a guy, I make eye contact, and go, "You, you call nine one one." Okay. That's that should illustrate uh, a bit of a difference between something that you're addressing, you're you're saying out to a crowd, and something that you're saying to an individual. And you, in that example, you really feel the weight of it. Yeah. And and uh, clearly, this is a situation where we're worried about infractions <laughs> for, for one of these cases. Well, if that person doesn't call 911, he's getting at least a right. USC minor. At least. He'll be like, but Judge, you said I couldn't use my phone right now. And I'll be like, failure <laughs> <laughs> to follow USC minor. <laughs> okay, so so – so now what happens if I if I tell everyone uh, to, you know, make sure they mark uh, in the total column on their. Uh, oh, wait, that's the, that's going to be a bad example in just a few minutes, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, so, OK, that kind of gets to the point. Why was it removed? And uh, once again, according to Toby's article, this infraction, I don't know about you guys, but I've never given it out. But this infraction was really only used for two things. One. Uh, someone's breaking like a venue rule. So some rule the venue has. And that's really just a TO issue. You know what I mean? Food and drinks off the table. Yeah. There you go. Uh, someone's breaking that. Well, that's an announcement you make to everyone. So therefore, if someone's breaking it, well, whatever. So in the end, that's really a TO issue. And it doesn't need to have an infraction behind it. The other reason this was given out is if someone mislabeled their sealed pool. Misregistered, excuse me. Uh, which happens all the time. Like, yeah. not only it will happen every sealed event. Like, there was a GPT this weekend that had eight people. I guarantee someone misregistered the sealed pool. But usually multiple people do it, and it's very frustrating. Yep. Or they or they, or they, they screw up the swap or something along those lines. Yes. Uh, they mark, they mark their... Uh, they mark their the pool in the played column instead of the total column. You know, that kind of stuff. Yes. It's, it's basically... Uh, those those are the the type of things, and those got moved into something we will be some, something that we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, what what did you want to talk about before that? Well, lim limit. Well, that's limited. Yeah. It's okay. So well, <laughs> well, basically, so so basically, here here's what happens. Somebody, let's say somebody, food or drink. They've got food or drink on the table. You made an announcement, put all the food or drink, you know, on the floor. Okay. You before you were going to tell them not to do that. And or and and give them a failure a warning for failure to follow official announcements. Now you tell them to put the you tell them get your food and drink off the table. It's nothing. It's not a it's not a warning or anything like that. However, you're now providing them a direct instruction. Okay, so if they continue to do it later, then up oh, we're in USC minor territory for failure to follow now a direct instruction mm -hmm. because you just told him specifically or her. But who are we kidding? It's a guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not going down that road. <laughs> well, no, it's it's the it's the, the women who are playing are normally, you know, they they keep their stuff on the floor. It's always the guys. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, but the second situation where they didn't fill out the uh, the deck list properly, or, or sorry, the uh, sealed checklist properly, that got wrapped into limited procedure violation. You're like, what's that? Well, there used to be an infraction called draft procedure violation. It was renamed to limited procedure violation to when it took on this new role with sealed registration issues. Uh, there's not much more to it beyond that. Remember, it is upgradable. It's it's part of the uh, tournament errors. Yes. Yes, nailed it. Uh, it's part of the tournament errors, which means you get a warning first, you get a game loss second. So say a player, however, however what. However, the odds of the odds of you getting two yes. limited procedure violations is very, very, very low. But it could happen if you misregister a sealed pool, perform the swap, the misregistration is found out, you get the get the first infraction there. Then you make it all the way to top eight draft, and then you pass your pool to the wrong direction. That's limited procedure violation number two, buddy. Or you take too long to draft or whatever. And then that's going to be a game plus. So if you get one earlier on, be very wary if you make top eight. 
This is important information. <laughs> is that a little too out there for you? So, it, yeah, normally the people that that make the top eight are not the people that are messing up on their <laughs> on, on registering their seal pool. There's the ones that are done with ten minutes remaining. Sure. Uh, so the one the one thing to add is uh, if you may have noticed there, if the issue is caught before the swap, just fix the issue. We don't have to give an infraction there. Uh, it's only when it's caught after the swap is when it starts to take a lot more time. Like uh, they didn't sort the pool. It drives me insane when they do not sort the pool because I I say it over and over and over again, and they still some people just do not sort the pool and. And you and the people that are still registering the the pool at you know. One minute left. Mm-hmm. Those are the people. Those are the people that didn't sort. They're never the people that sorted. The people that sorted were done five minutes ago. It just it makes no sense to not sort. Yeah. So. Okay, but yeah, after after the swap, things do take a longer a, a lot longer. Like if the pl- if the player receiving the pool has to sort the cards, it takes longer. If you know you misregistered a card and now I've got to go, you know, it's it's always a bomb. And I always have to track that other person down to find out, did the guy really open a Master of Waves? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then why'd you mark down this? And he's like, ah, oops. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 disruptive. Now, before before the swap, if you're like, ah, oh, I, I marked this other card when I should have marked a Master of Waves. All right, sure. Just put the little tick there, initial it, move on, go about your business. It's not actually a problem, really, until after the swap. So that's kind of the, the, the line of demarcation there. All right, cool. And the guy. Yep. That's all. That's all the RPG and MTR changes. Yeah. Um, Jess has an article allegedly coming out about this. Uh, yes. Yes. But we mostly covered everything that would be in it. Yeah. Um, but if people want to read it in a different format. Uh, supposedly, I, I'm not sure actually exactly when it's going to come out, but it, sometime this week, uh, I'll have an article on ChannelFireball.com that explains all of these. Um, it kind of just uses. Uh, Toby's blog, which I don't know if we mentioned that, but Toby had a blog. Toby Elliott had a blog, ar- mm-hmm. blog article about uh, this stuff, and it kind of just uses that as a springboard point to discuss this in a player perspective rather than a judge perspective. So if you see that and you have players that are asking questions about it, hopefully you can direct them to that, and they'll they'll have they'll they'll find their answer there. All right, yeah, and so if that's posted before this episode is, we will put it in the show notes. Otherwise, just go to channelfireball.com and you'll find it, I'm sure. And then, Brian, your annotated IPG project, has it been updated with these new changes? Absolutely. I'm sending an email out the second we get done with this uh, this podcast that says, yo, 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 we's done. Nice. Go check it out. Or not, because you just listened to our podcast, so you already know all this stuff. Right. And uh, I guess we should mention that all of these changes are in effect right now. They were they were in effect before the recording of this episode, so they are in effect. Please enforce them. I got I got a mental image of that spaceball scene. When will then become now? <laughs> Soon. Soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for not leaving. Me it, t- it took me a second. I had to work through it in my head. It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, we can't go back to then. <laughs> Why? We met. We we passed it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about God packs for a second. Uh-oh. So in Journey into Nyx, I don't think we know like how often this happens, but every once in a while, a pack of Journey into Nyx is a god pack. And a god pack is a pack with all 15 gods in it, and that's it. Uh, maybe a token. It might have a token. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's Je- it. Jess, Jess, you saw one of these. Does it have a token in it? I don't remember if it had a token no. or not. <laughs> Sorry. It definitely doesn't have a basic land. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, OMG guys, what happens if, uh, we're playing in a sealed event and I open, or a draft even, and I get a god pack? However, will I handle this horrible, maybe horrible situation? <laughs> you, if you are a player, you should call a judge. If you are a judge, you should check with the TO, because the TO may have an opinion about how this is handled, because it's his product. Yeah. But really, they should probably replace the pack if it's a competitive event. The the general hope is that most TOs will replace the pack, and that means you get to keep the pack. You the player. Yeah, you the player. Not you the TO. And you, and you will uh, draft with just the, the new pack or do your sealed with a new pack. Yeah. Yep. Um, actually, a store in my area is not only letting you keep the pack, but uh, they're giving you $50 store credit if you open a god pack. Oh, really? Yeah, just because it's such a rare thing. You know, why not? I, you know, so. So, yeah. So this is this is not considered abnormal product. So when you when you look at the MTR and it talks about, you know, having to replace uh, uh, 
having to replace abnormal product. This is not abnormal product. This is per wizards. This was done intentionally. This is not abnormal. Right. Okay. So the the going in position is uh, tos should replace the pack. However, leaving it in the in the draft or the sealed pool is also an option. Yeah. If, okay. If you the player or if the player is absolutely like. I want to play with this. This is what I opened. Okay. Okay. But if it's if it's sealed, if you're in a sealed PTQ and you open a God pack, um, your options are okay. And this is presuming, you know, this is assuming that the TO allows all of these options. Is is the TO will replace it with another pack, and you get to keep that God pack, and then you get to continue uh, with the swap, or you can insist on keeping that pack and then not swap and drop from the event no and keep sense. your stuff or right right uh, it doesn't make any sense or you keep the pack and you pass it with the swap which also makes no sense yeah okay so really it's it's only you know the you know the easiest thing to do is just you know to throw the guy another pack because it's only going to happen you know maybe like once a once a ptq it's a pack come on yeah um for a draft Okay, your options are the TO replaces the pack unless you keep the God pack, or you draft with the God pack, and you're going to take the guy that's the two colors, and you're going to pass it, and then the second guy, whoever you pass it to, he's going to drop <laughs> with the pack. <laughs> that is true. I mean, this is a pretty rare occurrence as well. Right. I mean, for example, I, I saw it happen. It did happen in our pre-release. It happened exactly once. And you have um, a million people, don't you? We, we had, we have 700, for this event, we had 704 people in total for the weekend, which was a little low, but I'm not sure what was up with that finals week or whatever. Um, hundred people was low. Get out of here. It is. We were, we were like, what's going on? I don't understand. Oh, this place is empty, man. <laughs> Oh, um, but anyway, so my point is, though, that that means every every pack has uh, had every one of the pre-release packs had two Journey to the Next packs in it, plus the the yeah, plus the, the seated pack or whatever they call it. And then we added uh, two packs to the prize pool for every player. That means that you're looking at like twenty eight hundred packs that were opened over the weekend <laughs> and we had one God pack and I was surprised to see it. Right. So it's it's rare. not going to be a common thing. You may never see this happen. Yeah. And I think I think Wizards Wizard said uh, that for uh, drafts for for events that they are the TO and that they prepare the product for. So so day two drafts and pro tours and stuff like that, the God packs will be replaced. Um, yeah, the, they won't make it in because they're they're preparing the pack. So it just for a draft, it won't even it won't even be an option at a at a draft uh, that where Wizards is the TO. Okay, I think that's all we need to say about God packs, even though so much has been said about them lately. But what if they've got a pacemaker? <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, let's hit our news. We have a new level three. Uh, I've been watching a lot of this uh, French show called the the Returned, so I feel prepared to pronounce this name. Okay, uh, that'll be good. We have Francois. Cosi from France. Come on, that was pretty good. Yeah, I watched like eight episodes of it, so I'm like I, fluent. I even, here, when you said it, I even heard I heard the little squiggly thing under the sea. Yeah, here's here's some other words I learned. Sava and le revenant. That's the French name of it. Oh, and then also we. Oui. All all the French I ever learned was from the movie Top Secret. <laughs> I, Thank you for laughing at that. Well, Sava means like okay, I guess. My wife took French in high school, so she told me what that one meant. But once I learned it, I started to pick it up in the show like all the time. It, it It's used to mean like eight different things, French lessons. So, oh, congratulations, Francois, on your promotion to level three. Uh, we also have a wedding to former uh, host of the show, Ricky Hayashi, who I don't think we've ever had on, which is kind of weird. Is that true? Uh, uh, that is a... true. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it several times. And he wants to do it, but it's just never been a uh, timing's never really been a thing that worked out. Well, uh, former host Ricky, level three Ricky, has married his level three girlfriend slash fiance slash now wife, Tasha Jamison. So congratulations. Maybe to them we can get both of them on yes. the show. Ooh, fancy. Oh, to me, level three. We can interrupt the honeymoon. Yeah. With... <laughs> Hold on, guys. Hold, Hold on. on. No, 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 no. Let's, let's talk MTR. We're uh, going to talk MTR. Honeymoon is probably GP Minneapolis or whatever. <laughs> You know, with those two, I want to make oh, I want to make a joke. <laughs> okay, but I can't. Uh, I'll just put, I'll just put it into I'll just put it into chat. All right, great. That's great. That's great for the uh, listeners. Yes, it is. <laughs> all right. So congratulations again, Ricky and Tasha. Yes, congratulations, guys. 
Judge Guess as as a product is is happy for you. We as individuals are happy too. Indeed. So why you gotta be all impersonal, man? I don't know, man. They're awesome people, and I love them. And congratulations. Yes. But hey, emails. Speaking of Ricky, let's do some emails. I I don't understand that segue. Because Ricky all. used to do the mailbag. He used to do the, he he would do it a lot. So man, you guys aren't big Judge Cast fans like me. Yeah, no, I, I don't ever <laughs> listen to that shit. Uh, what is that? That's garbage. All right. All right. With our first one comes from Jordan J. He leads it off with Dear O Great Lords of Judge Cast. Kind of like that. Uh, I am a fairly new level one judge, and I was at last week's FNM at my local shop. Some players who were playing casually asked me about some trend they have been noticing in their FNM matches that I've missed, but have experienced on my own casually. Is it okay to cut an opponent's deck by taking the top seven cards of the deck and putting them on the bottom? Should they call a judge if their opponent does that? What about at comp competitive REL or above? Uh, their concern is that it's unsporting. C- cutting an opponent's deck in such a way shows clear intention to gain advantage by forcing a mulligan. Uh, yeah, and then the rest of the email. So what do you guys think about that? If they cut the deck by... When you when you present the deck to the opponent, they cut it by taking the top seven off and putting them on the bottom. So there, you're, the statement about it being clear intent to gain an advantage by forcing a mulligan, while that might be true, it doesn't mean they're cheating. I mean, if I attack with all my guys, it shows a clear intent to gain an advantage by dealing damage. <laughs> um, but I haven't actually broken a rule, so I'm not cheating. Um, this is something that it's it's definitely a troll. It's a haha, look what I'm doing. I'm I'm being a jerk. But whatever whatever those seven you would have gotten were, you're never gonna see them. Wah-ha-ha. But if the deck is actually random, then you're taking seven random cards and putting them on the bottom, and they're gonna draw a different seven random cards. It could be anything, and it should have no impact. Yeah. Basically, any, it's, any concern it's just about feel this, bad. yeah, any concern about this makes no sense to me. Because maybe, maybe you just cut them. Maybe you just took away seven, not uh, seven lands, right? And you put them like a god hand on top of the library somehow. It, it makes no sense. Like you have equal chance of hurting their hand as you do helping their hand. Right. So no infraction. That's perfectly legal. It is annoying, though. I don't. I'll, I'll tell you from a player perspective, it can definitely be annoying when, when people do stuff like that. Not because they're doing it, but because they usually spend more time doing that than they would need to cut my deck. Sure, that's right? that's fair. See, see, that's the thing. When it, I I don't play often, but I have done that probably a ten percent of the time. They just take those top seven and put them down there. Normally, when I'm playing against somebody I know, is kind of like the mild troll. Yeah, where I was just like, sure, yeah. if it's against somebody you know, I can see that. I do. I do never, the, uh, it's never against a stranger. The patented single card cut against. I do I do that. Yeah. He's <laughs> like that card right there. Nope, that was never again. The best card. I have also the the other one I've done with people that I know is uh, is take a couple of random cards from somewhere in the deck and put them on top. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny. For some reason, that's that's more trollish than these. Like, I think yes, <laughs> you take the seven bottom cards of the library and put them yeah. on top. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think we were supposed to be giving out ideas. That's all fine. Everything's legal. It's all legal though. It's all um, legal. yeah. As long as you're not taking an excessive amount of time to do this. Then yeah, sure, go for it. Sure. Be a troll. Randomly <laughs> not like you though. Randoms random. Fair warning. Randoms random. Uh, next email from Thomas Edgar from Sindelfingen, Germany, Deutschland. Uh, he says, "Hi, JC folks. I was rereading the MTR as one does, and I came across this passage. Uh, so it's about sleeves. Competitive and professional REL tournaments impose additional restrictions on sleeves. Highly reflect- reflective backs are not allowed. Sleeves with hologram patterns across some or all of the sleeve front or back are not allowed." Uh, this is him talking again. Now, certain manufacturers of card sleeves, especially Ultra Pro, have a hologram stamp on the front of their sleeves, which, if I'm reading this rule correctly, would make them ineligible for use at competitive REL. Somehow, I doubt this is what this rule is referring to, especially since Wizards uses Ultra Pro to make official card sleeves. But I was hoping you might be able to clarify as to why. Thanks, and always be judging. I like this little sign-off. A, C, so so J. so the so the over the uh, the highly reflective backs are not allowed. Let's let's go. The highly reflective backs are not allowed not allowed because um, it's actually possible to like with highly reflective backs to like lift a card up and then see its reflection in the back of the card underneath it. Okay, it's not only possible, but if you know what you're doing, it's very easy and not 
easy to notice. I, I've I've had players go, well, that's that's kind of nitpicky, isn't it? And I can sit down and demonstrate and be like, no, watch this and show them how to do it and be like, look, see, if I use these reflective sleeves this way, I know exactly what's coming and that's why we don't allow them. Right. And uh, in fact, I go further than this and I don't allow these kinds of reflective sleeves at any REL, whether it's competitive or not. Well, this, oh, you're right. This does say only competitive and professional. That's interesting because the MTR in general applies to all of magic. Right. Well, and later in this section, if you read the MTR, it says that the head judge is the final authority on what sleeves are allowed. Yeah. Um, so we just say in our store, we try to promote a little bit more of a, of a uh, professional environment. And I don't say competitive necessarily, but we want to keep things as clean as possible, especially with so many players. So this is one of the things that we don't allow even at regular Ario. Sure. So what about that little foil stamp on the front of the sleeves? You, he is technically right. You could read this to mean that you can't use those sleeves. That's never going to get enforced that way. This is not what that is referring to. Right. So here's my question, because I asked, what is it referring to? It's so, it's referring to like if if too much of the card face, like it, it can actually start obscuring the card. If like too much of the front of it is a hologram pattern, then mm-hmm. it makes it hard to actually see what the card is. Because I have itself. seen sleeves with a holographic front. I've seen them before. And uh, when I when I brought them to the hedger's attention at that time, it was, it was a long time ago, um, they were like, oh, they're fine. So I've never actually fully understood what this policy is for, if not for those sleeves. But I will say that, at least in my memory, I, if you put them on a table, like they were not obstructive. It's only when you were looking directly at them could you actually have the uh, holographic effect. But you could always tell yeah. what the card was and said. This is this is this is one of those rules that's there to just it's it's almost like the no electronic policy stuff is if you start allowing, you know, like crazy hologram patterns and stuff like that, then it starts becoming ripe for abuse. But this tiny little this tiny little logo that's the size of like a hole punch, um, you're not going to be able to like catch reflections off of things on it or, or anything like that being on the front of the being on the front of the card. All right, cool. All right, our next email comes from Adam. I'm never sure if people want me to say their entire name or not, even though it's in their email. So I always try to say whatever they sign it with, uh, but sometimes I forget. So he says, hey, guys, love the show. Keep it going, and I'll keep listening. All right, it's a deal. I, as, <laughs> Your terms are acceptable. As if, he, as if he could keep listening if we stopped making it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, just, he could just sit there in, in, in a dark room just listening to old episodes. Sure. Over and over, but not those stinky old Sean and Ricky ones. No, we've far surpassed them. All right. So his question is, I've been wondering if I play an Oracle of Bones and my opponent does not uh, pay tribute, and I'll read it in a second. If my instant or sorcery of choice has Strive, so that's the new mechanic from Journey uh, into Nyx. I keep saying one to say say like Journey onto Nyx because it's J-O-U, but that's just for Journey. These are these these are the struggles I have daily. Oh, hey, by the way, yes, as an aside, that's a pet peeve of mine. When people say is people keep trying to abbreviate this J-I-N. Oh, yeah. The abbreviation is J-O-U. Yes, J-O-U. I know it doesn't make any sense and it should be J-I-N, but it's not. No, J-O-U. It's Jen. They don't want it probably because they someone realizes like, oh, that sounds like the alcohol. Actually, well, oh, no. the reality is they share these three letter codes with um, other properties. Other oh, do they? the Coast properties. Yeah. So they can't overlap. So, you know, maybe Kaijudo had a jumping in November, November <laughs> set and it, and it <sighs> took up the name or something. You know, who knows? Um, so that's that's why that is. So anyway, he has a spell with Strive. So Strive are the spells you can target any number of things and they have some cost you have to pay uh, for each additional target beyond the first. He's asking, can he choose to cast any number? Uh, can he choose to target any number of targets for free here because the Oracle of Bones is letting him cast the spell for free? Or is he restricted to a single target? So Oracle of Bones. When Oracle of Bones enters the battlefield, if tribute wasn't paid, you may cast an instant or sorcery card from your hand without paying its mana cost. Okay, so um, you may still, with your Strive card, let's say, launch the fleet. Sure. Okay. Uh, you may cast launch the fleet uh, without paying its mana cost. Uh, its mana cost is one white. Okay. Um, you may still target any number of targets you wish. Um, however, uh, if you want to target more than one thing, you are going to have to pay the one more to cast for each target beyond the first. Yes. So you get, you get the fleet for free, and then all additional targets are you have to pay for. 
which reminds me of a quote-unquote mistake we made on the last episode. Uh-oh, dun-dun-dun. We said that Strive was an additional cost. That's not strictly true. It may be better to refer to it as a cost addition. Yes. <laughs> it's not an additional cost like Kicker. You don't choose to pay it in step two of casting a spell. Uh, it's just an addition. It's a cost addition that's added on based on it's how many static, targets you have. It's a static ability. It's a static ability on the card that functions on the stack that modifies the amount that you have to pay for it. Blah, 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 yes. blah. In yes. practice, that will never matter. I don't think there's any situation where that matters. But Oh, they'll find one. Well, if you find one, email us at judgecast at gmail.com, but you won't. I guarantee it. Oh, the gauntlet is thrown down. Here's the thing. If you go out there and you find a situation um, that you think this is, look over it again because you're wrong. Because this never matters. Guaranteed. Judgecast guarantee. Guarantee. <laughs> I... yeah, all right. All right. But you won't. <laughs> Next email from Brian Thomas says, Dear Judgecast, insert nice comments and kudos here. Anyway, judging scenario came up I wanted to help on. Alex is playing Nick at an SEG IQ event. Nick controls a dampening or damping matrix. Alex casts a Scavenging Ooze and activates its ability twice and then passes the turn. Nick untaps, draws his card, and, oh crap, Alex should not have been able to do that. Judge, uh, he says, is this scenario easy enough to just back up, and is this a double GRB? So dampening, damping matrix, I believe all it does is says activate abilities can be activated, something like that. Yeah, unless they're mana abilities. Yeah. Or of creatures and artifacts. Sure, but. I think. Yes, that's correct. Definitely the point of this question is scavenging ooze could not be activated. Yes. With the damping matrix out. Damping. Yes. Damping. Not, not, a, not a dampening damping. matrix is just not a dampening matrix. It's just mildly annoying. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like, why am I moist? Let's just get I don't... rid of this dampening matrix. Like anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good like holiday card or unglued card. This is the dampening matrix. <laughs> Target card is like a little blue. <laughs> A full on blue. Uh, okay, so uh, let's let's answer the question of is this a double GRV first? Okay. So um, Alex in this scenario activated his scavenging ooze uh, that he was not able to because Nick controlled a card that said no, you cannot do that. Um, so in this particular case, it sure does look like uh, Nick had an effect that. Um, prevented that should have prevented Alex from doing what he did. So how do you guys how do you guys feel about this? My answer is in the email or reply. Do you guys think this is a double GRV? It feels like it. I definitely agree that it's, this is a double GRV. All right, then we're, there's no controversy. I was. Oh, I, was I mean, I disagree. Well, I, oh, I, well, then now you're gonna have to justify it. I, Crap. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So, so this in this particular situation, Nick is controlling the the card that is making Alex's uh, Alex's play illegal. Um, Wait, so I have an argument for it not to be a double GRV. Okay, go for it. The RPG says in a situation where the effect that caused the infraction is controlled by one player, but the illegal action is taken by another player, both receive a GRV. Uh, in this case, the effect that caused the infraction. Mm -hmm. Is the activation of the scavenging ooze? Yeah, that's that is that is when you when you look at the IPG and 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 go for it. That is the argument to be made. Uh, how, however, in this particular case, what's happening is Nick also has a responsibility to make sure that his cards are being played correctly as well as as uh, uh, Alex's. So they are both responsible for this specific mistake. Now, if Alex, if, if Alex activates it and Nick calls a judge right away, then ain't nothing going to happen to Nick. Um, if Alex activates it and Alex calls right away, <laughs> eh, no. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, so, <laughs> judge, he let me activate this. Yeah, good luck. Judge, judge I just did th this and immediately realized that I couldn't have... So this falls into that whole situation where uh, you call uh, a judge on yourself immediately before an infra you know, before you could have gained an advantage. You can downgrade it without it being considered a blah, 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 blah. It basically falls into the same category of I doomblade your black dude. No, I don't. Yeah. And you never get a call for that. Um, so the question is, is this scenario easy enough to just back up? 
So we have two activations of a scavenging ooze. Past the turn, Nick untaps, draws his card. Okay, the question is, do you rewind that? Uh, I mean, the, the official answer is up to the head judge. Right. My, that is a, that's... Yeah. My answer is yes, I, I would rewind that. Yeah, I'd rewind that with with just the information we have. Assuming assuming that like let's let's just say that there's there's those are the only permanents involved and that's the only the only thing the only relevant stuff that's out there like hands are empty that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because there's probably something out there on in some scenario where it's like oh we can't rewind through that because there's this other card over here that. Sure. Jess. Yes. Do you rewind. What's that? Do you rewind? Um, I think in most cases I do. Yeah. Yeah, with yep. the inf- there, there are definitely I can imagine scenarios where I don't rewind this, but as described, I think I do. Yeah. yeah. So so the IPG, the IPG has in there the provisions to allow you to rewind through a card draw. Uh, card draws do make judges, I'll say, twitchy when it comes to having to do a, a rewind and rewinding or not rewinding both are fine answers. I mean, in, in both cases, like Nick is also responsible for maintaining the the uh, uh, the integrity of the of, of the game that's going on, and it's his damping matrix. You know, it's in his deck for a reason. Yeah. So he made an oopsie too. Right. Right. Okay. So so both both in in as described, both are correct to me. All right. Last email. This is this is a classic rules question. I'll I'll spike it up and serve it to. Wait, I'm misusing these volleyball references. Serve it to Jess, though. Uh, it's Got from it. Michael Serron. That's a cool name. Oh, he just signed a mic. I hope this isn't one of the guys that doesn't want me to say... Oh, I want to read his email, too. All right, never mind. I can't read his email address. Uh, I'll make this quick and to the point. Can I cast either side of a split card if it is revealed from a cascade trigger, provided at least one card has a lower convert mana cost? So, for example, Alex casts a blood blade elf. A blood blade elf. Uh, <laughs> Broodblade Elf. That's what I guess how you'd pronounce that. It'd be pretty sweet, actually. Broodblade? Broodblade Elf. Ooh. And with the new policy change, all of these written on a deck list <laughs> would be fine. They're fine. <laughs> uh, then reveals a breaking entering from the Cascade Trigger. So Bloodbraid Elf costs four. Breaking entering has a cost of two and six. Can you cast either side? None at all or only breaking? You can definitely cast either side. That. And the reason you can cast either side is that you reveal the card and the game asks a question, and the question is, is the converted mana cost of this card less than four? And what is the converted mana cost of breaking and entering? Two and six. Two and six. So it's not, it doesn't care if it gets a no answer. So it looks at the six and says, well, no, it's not, but that doesn't matter. It's not what I'm looking for. Is it less? Two is less. So the answer to this question is yes, you can cast this card. And then when you go and put the card on the stack, because you chose to cast it, you get to choose which half of that split card you're going to cast as per the rules of casting split cards. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to mention uh, an article just so CJ has to include in the show notes. Cool. Yes. All right. Uh, there was a judge article that was written by, let me scroll down, the uh, by Nathan Long called, uh, he writes a series called Modern Rules Problems, and he did a whole article on split cards and he deals with split cards and flashback, split cards and Inquisition of Kozilek, split cards and Dark Confidant, split cards with Counterbalance, split cards the Flamethrower. <laughs> split, split cards the toilet paper, yeah. split cards the breakfast cereal. <laughs> right. More Spaceballs references. Split cards and Isochron Scepters. The kids love this one. Um <laughs> So uh, uh, that is, if you are curious about how split cards work with things, that is a great article to check out that CJ will include in the show notes. I will. Lots of, lots of articles. I got six links so far, and that's if Jess's article is not posted before the episode. And, uh, and Brian, we want to thank you for coming to the desert of the internet to find that one. Yes. <laughs> Come the desert. Did you know, here's here's something, here's a shout out for a little factoid that George Fitzgerald, another Florida judge, uh, taught me. The, um, the uh, in, in Spaceballs, the 
the guy that is combing the desert with the pick. And when they ask him if he finds anything, he yells out, we ain't found S. That is the same actor that played Tuvok on Voyager. <laughs> I do remember uh, him bringing that up before. <laughs> yes, it's just, just read, today I learned. Tuvok's also in an earlier movie, but he doesn't play Tuvok. And it's always, it's always kind of weirded me out. I'm like, what's your angle, Tuvok? Why are you a human now? <laughs> like before Voyager, he was, he was uh, some random human. Oh, he was in um it was uh it was the episode of the Next Generation where there was like guys they were trying to steal something off the Enterprise when it was in dry dock and it had like that green beam and Picard's running around with his saddle. Y- yes, I actually remember that. But I think he was also in a movie. Like so I, mm-hmm. I think he's actually showed up three times now that you bring it up. <laughs> uh, but that's that's for our Star Trek podcast, which we record immediately <laughs> after this one. Yes. All right. I'm stalling as I look this up, but... Is there anything else? Yeah, you guys have anything else you want to add? I, th- I think we're about to wrap this up. Yeah, he's in Star Trek Gen- Generations as the lieutenant. And then he's also in that episode of Star Trek that you just said uh, called Starship Mine. And then he's also in Star Trek Voyager. He's just all over that whole Star Trek thing. Has he been in anything since then? Uh, <laughs> Colin, you got INTV up. He's done a lot of video game voices, TV series, miniseries, TV series... Oh, he's been in iCarly multiple times. He's a principal in iCarly. Ah, uh, yes. I I have a daughter. I can watch iCarly. TV movie, TV movie, TV series. Yeah, no, I don't see any movies here. Oh, oh wait. He may have been in a movie called Asteroid vs. Earth. <laughs> oh, this looks good. This looks Interesting. Terrific. All right. Anyone have anything else they want to add before we wrap this bad boy up? No? Oh, wait. Nobody gives me the raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if you want to contact us you can contact us at judgecast at gmail.com you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast uh, where my understanding is both jess and brian have posted pictures of my ridiculous microphone setup on uh, both of those sources so if you really want to go check it out you can uh, i hope i'm sounding silky smooth because this is upwards of seven dollars of value here. Hey, you! It's imported Israeli foam. It is imported Israeli foam. There's nothing incorrect about that statement. <laughs> All right, guys. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, this is a a nicely a nice amount of show. It's not too long. It's not too short. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. My name is Cedar Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prilliman. I keep it half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. (laughs) This is one of those situations where, like when you guys had uh, James Bennett on, or no, I was on that episode. (laughs) And after that, I went and watched uh, Big Trouble in Little China because I had to. (laughs) It's such a good movie.